Hey, this is Pastor Bob Stephen, lead pastor at Pursuit Church SA, and this is our podcast. Listen, would you take a minute to share and subscribe to this podcast? Also, we would love to connect with you, so please visit us at PursuitChurchSA.com or on any of our social media pages. Now, here's this week's message. We hope it blesses your life. As I always say, the Word of God is a two-edged sword. And I quote, not I say, I quote, because it's in the Word of God itself. The Bible is a two-edged sword. Okay, what does that mean? It cuts both ways. So I'm not here this morning to preach to you or to preach at you and tell you what you have to do. No, 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 no. This message is just as much for me as it is for you. God is going to speak to my life just as much. I hope he does to yours today. So let's go ahead and pray. Let's get ready. If you have your Bible, get your Bible ready. If you have your phone, your tablet, whatever you use uh, to read, I want you to get that ready because we're going to study the word of God today. And uh, But I want to pray first. Let's all pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you, God, for your grace, your grace that is sufficient, God. We thank you because your word says that we can come to your throne of grace boldly, not ashamed, not embarrassed, not feeling guilty or condemned. We can come to your throne of grace Father, boldly knowing that you have already paid it all through the cross of Calvary. Father, we thank you for your mercy that is brand new every single day, God. Father, we thank you that when we woke up this morning, God, our past is in the past. We thank you that when we woke up this morning, your mercies were brand new every day, God. So when we, when we, we don't have to live, God, in our past. We don't have to live defined by our past mistakes because your mercy is brand new today God we thank you for your love that is unconditional your love that never fails your love that never runs out your word says Lord that your loving kindness your mercy pursue us every single day of our life no matter how far we run you will always pursue us and you'll always be there because you never leave us nor forsake us we thank you for your word this morning we pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to uh, prepare our hearts and our mind and remove all distractions that we may focus on you God in the name of Jesus amen and amen look at somebody tell them I'm ready for the word amen if you can go with me to the book of James chapter 5 verse 19 and 20 James chapter 5 verses 19 and 20. I want to talk about my title today is we are all witnesses. We are all witnesses. If we can say that together on the count of three, I want you to say that with me. One, two, three. We are all witnesses. Okay. Third time's a charm. So we're warming up to it. Okay. Here's the go. Second time. Here we go. Ready? Three. We are all witnesses. Okay. One more time, but I need you to nudge the person next to you a little bit and make sure they're saying it with you. Ready? One, two, three. We are all witnesses. So I need some participation today. Okay. Somebody let me let, tell me what the word all means. Raise your hand. What does the word all mean? Everyone. Okay, it means all right. It means everything, everyone, every person. Okay, so when we say we are all witnesses, then who are we talking about? Say me. Say me. Say me. You and I, every single one of us in this room and those here in the podcast later on. 
We are all called by God to be his witnesses. Listen, being a witness for Christ is not an option. Look at your neighbor and tell him it's not an option. We're going to talk about this today, but I want you to prepare your heart, have an open mind. Be ready to receive his word. James chapter 5 verses 19 through 20. It says this, my brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, who is James writing to? The church. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the family of God, the church, if one of you should wander from the truth, whoa, how many of us have been there before? We've wandered off, right? If one of you should wander, wander off from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way, I want you to pay attention to this part. Whoever turns a sinner from their error, from the error of their way, will save them from what? Will save them from what? Will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Now, what does the word death mean? I want to explain this. The word death means separation. And there's three types of death or there's three types of separation. As we know, physical death, right? We're, we're all going to die one day. I know that sounds a little, a little dark, right? But we are. That's just the way things work. Because of Adam and Eve's disobedience to God, we now have a death day, right? We have a birthday, but we also have a death day, which none of us know. But we're all going to die unless, unless Jesus comes for us before that. So what is physical death when your spirit, right? Because you're a spirit, you're not a body. You're a spirit with a body, not a body with a spirit. You are a spirit with a physical body that is dying every single day. And when you die physically, what happens? Your spirit departs from your body. It is separated from your body, right? Your body goes to the ground. Your spirit either goes to heaven or if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's also a place called hell. And I know that's not a popular word nowadays in churches, but that's the word of God. And you get to choose where you want to spend eternity. It's up to you. So that's physical separation, physical death. But then there's something called spiritual death. Spiritual death took place the moment Adam and Eve sinned and disobeyed God. They died spiritually. You remember the part where God said, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for in that day you will surely die. Did they die physically? No, they began to die physically, but it took some time. But immediately, somebody say immediately. They died spiritually because when God brought man to life, the Bible says he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. You know what the breath of life is translated? Zoe. You know what Zoe means? It means the presence of God. So when God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, he was breathing his very own presence into man's body. And that presence of God is whom? The Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit lived in man, brought him to life. When man disobeyed God, guess who left man? His Holy Spirit. So now man's human spirit remained in his body, but the Holy Spirit departed. There was a separation of spirits. 
that spiritual separation. And because of that, now everybody who is born after Adam and Eve, which includes all of us, I don't know, maybe some of y'all were born before Adam and Eve. (laughs) Every single one of us is born spiritually dead, spiritually separated from God. Until the moment you open up your heart and receive Christ, his spirit, his breath of life once again, and you come back to life spiritually. There's also eternal death. Somebody say eternal death. Eternal death is eternal separation from God. And that takes place when a person dies physically without ever accepting Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I'm here to tell you this morning, physical death can be reversed. The Bible says that all those who believe in Christ will rise from the dead. Physically, will rise from the dead. God will give us brand new bodies. Number two, spiritual death can be reversed. The moment you open your heart and accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you now become spiritually alive. But eternal death can never, ever be reversed. Y'all remember the, 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 the rich young man who was in, in, in hell, in Sheol, in, in, uh, uh, in Hades, actually. He could see Abraham. He could see Lazarus. And he said, can you just please send somebody to come give me some water because it's hot down here. He said, man, we can't, we can't go over. That's a whole nother Bible study there. Cause you're probably thinking like, how is Abraham and how is Lazarus in hell together with this guy? There was two separate parts. Okay. But we'll, we'll let pastor Bob and Karen teach you about that. And then he said, okay, there's nothing you can do for me. Can you at least send somebody to go tell my, my brothers and sisters, my parents, my family that they need to accept God and Christ in their heart. Cause they don't want to come here where I'm at. He said, brother, there's there's nothing we can do for you, man. Listen, eternal death can never be reversed. So look what James says here. Remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death. You could be physically saving someone's life by being a witness to them. A witness of what? Of the goodness of God. A witness of what? Of God's grace, God's mercy. A witness of what? That Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood, paid a price that we could never ever pay. That's what a witness should talk about. What is a witness in fact? A person who shares the story of what they've seen, heard, or experienced. That's what a witness is. Have you seen the goodness of God? Have you heard of the miracles of God? Have you experienced them for yourself? Has he saved you? Has he redeemed you? Has he set you free from depression, anxiety, suicide? Has he set you free from addictions? You've experienced his goodness firsthand. You've experienced his grace, his forgiveness. What does a witness do? What does a witness do? Tell someone else of what they've heard, seen, or experienced. And when you are a witness to someone else, you can literally save their very life. You can save them from spiritual death. You can save their life from eternal death in a place called hell where they will be eternally separated from God. We'll save them from death and cover Over a multitude of sins. Let me ask you this question today, church. What do you think our church needs most today? 
What do you think we need most? A bigger building, better building. By the way, y'all, y'all's church is beautiful. I got to say that. But what do you think we really need? More, more, more chairs, a better building, a bigger budget, which wouldn't, wouldn't hurt, right? A better budget would, would help. A larger congregation. What is it that you think our church really needs today? And I know all of y'all have different answers and opinions. Well, I think we need a uh, different color carpet. I think we need a, a colder AC. I think we need, uh, you, you can come up with a million things of what you think the church needs today. Let me ask you this. What do you think our community needs most? More community centers, more churches. All those things are great. All those things are great. I wish there was more churches. I wish there was more community centers that were, you know, helping and serving the community and our young people. You think our, our, our community needs, needs better parks, better schools? All those are great. But I, I don't think that those are the most important things that we need. It's not the most important thing that our church needs. A bigger building, great, praise God. A better building, praise God. A bigger budget, thank you, Jesus. Better parks, better schools, better education. All of those things are great, and I pray that those things happen. But do you really think that that's what our world needs today? Better buildings, more chairs, different carpets, more parks. Let me ask you this. What do you think God needs from us the most? What do you think God is asking of you the most today? James ends his letter here by concluding that if God needs anything from us, listen to this. He needs witnesses. God doesn't need bigger buildings. God doesn't need a bigger budget because he owns all silver and all gold and the cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't need your budget in order to be God. He doesn't need our buildings. He doesn't need our schools, our parks. None of that matters to him. What he needs is more witnesses. What does 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9 and 10 say? That he has chosen us. He has called us royal priests. He has made us holy through his son Jesus Christ. And he has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. He has taken us from depression to joy. He has taken us from, from, from death to life. Listen, there's a reason why. Continue to read that verse. So that we can declare to others of the goodness of God. There it is. There's your purpose. Why did God save you? Why did God free you? Why did God break those chains in your life? Why did he forgive you? Why did he bring you out of darkness into his marvelous light? Just so you can come every Sunday and enjoy the worship team and sit in comfortable chairs and carry a Bible and memorize two verses every Sunday. Listen, no. God saved you so that you can be a what? A witness. So that, you know what that means? That's the purpose. He did all this so that you can declare to others the goodness of God. So my question is this morning, if you're not declaring the goodness of God to others, if you're not being a witness. It's not enough to just be saved. It's not enough to just enjoy. And I'm not saying don't enjoy your salvation. Enjoy it. Love it. It's the best thing that could ever happen to you. It's the best decision you can ever make. 
But it's not okay to just come every Sunday, carry a Bible, listen to a word, and then go out to eat after this and do nothing the rest of the week. You weren't called to just come to church. You were called to be a witness. If there's anything that God needs from us, because we know that he owns everything and he can create everything out of nothing. Read Genesis chapter 1. The world was empty and void and dark. And God said, let there be light. And there was what? So God doesn't need buildings and budgets and nothing. You know what's impressive? If you read, I think it's in verse 3. I could be mistaken. He says, let there be light. Right? You remember that? Okay, and there was light. He didn't have to put his hands on it. He didn't have to move. He just said it. He spoke it. Let there be light. And there was light. Did you know that you never noticed that God didn't create the sun till verse 16? He said, let there be light. God doesn't need the sun to provide light. God doesn't need the moon and the stars. God needs nothing from no one and nothing. He can make light if he wants to without the sun, without the stars, without the moon, because he is light. Now, listen, so God doesn't really need any too much from us. What he does need. And I would say the only thing he needs from us is that we become the witnesses that it is calling us to be. Let me ask you this question. What is our job as a church? What is our job as a church collectively? And what is our job as a church individually? Because you are the church, right? God lives inside of you. You are the, the temple, the housing of God. He lives inside of you, right? You are the church. Individually, collectively, we are the church, what they call capital C church, right? The church of God in general around the world. What is our job as a church collectively? And what is our job as the church individually? Have you ever heard, raise, by raise of hands, have you ever heard of something called the Great Commission? Raise your hand. Five of y'all, praise God. You're going to learn today. <laughs> In Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, you may have heard of this verse. You didn't know it was called the Great Commission. So we're going to give you some grace this morning, you know, but the Great Commission, what is a commission? A command, a job, a responsibility. Look what it says. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Therefore, what? Go. Somebody say go. go. Look at your neighbor and tell him Go. Oh, come on. All right. We're going to try that again. You got to tell them like you mean it. Okay. You can't say, go. Come on, man. How many parents do we have in the house? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay. How many, how many, how many times y'all kids get on y'all's nerves sometimes? Y'all just tell them, go. No. So I want you to tell the person next to you like they just got on your nerves and you're going to tell them, go. Ready? One, two, three. There you go. <laughs> Therefore, go and make disciples. Period. Like my dad used to say. What does that mean? It's a command. It's not an option. It's not a suggestion. God's not saying if you feel like it, if you want to, if you're in the mood, he says, Therefore, go and make disciples. Of all nations, baptizing them. Woo, I love that right there. This past, uh, while we were out there, I can never say it right. 
Sabinal, Texas? Sabinal. I can say it in Spanish. We were out there four days ministering at a youth camp. And at the place we stayed uh, was an Airbnb, really nice, beautiful place. They had like a small pool. And uh, my son and I, we were enjoying the, you know, the water there. And, and uh, he says, Dad, can, can, can we be baptized anywhere? Because we had talked about, you know, he wanted to be baptized already. So he, he asked and we talked about it, I explained it to him. And I had the privilege of baptizing my son at this Airbnb that we had never stayed there before while we were ministering out of town. It was just an amazing moment for me and, a, and for my wife and for him as well. He was super excited. And listen, that's what God is calling us to do. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I was being a witness to my son. And the fact that he asked about baptism shows you that we've been talking about it for a while. So there's some witnessing going on. We'll talk about this. But witnessing starts at home. It starts with your family. It starts with your children, your loved ones, your neighbors, those close to you. Look, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. It's great that we want to win the nations for Christ. But what about your family? I pray that the nations come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. But what about your grandma? What about your children? What about your tío, your tía, your aunt, your uncle, your, your cousins? What about your neighbor that lives next door to you? Do they even know that you go to church? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. Not suggested. Everything I have commanded to you. And surely I am with you always to the very end. Of the age. Did you know that the original translation of therefore go is not a future command? It's a present command. So when, 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 when Christ is saying go therefore or go and make disciples, he's saying as you go. As you live out your daily life, as you shop, as you work, as you go out to the park, wherever you go, as you go, preach the gospel, make disciples, and be a witness to those who don't know Jesus. As you go. What does that mean? That your very life should be a witness. That people should ask, man, there's something different about you. What are you taking? That's, that's, your, that's your foot in the door right there. Let me tell you a little story. I was all messed up, man. Depressed, suicidal, addicted, lost. My marriage was falling apart. Whatever your story is, that's your open door to share your story. What better way to witness and to share your story with somebody. But it has to be as you go. It's a daily lifestyle of being a witness. See, Jesus is telling us that in our going about from place to place, we are to preach the gospel, be witnesses, and make disciples. What is a disciple, a follower of Jesus? A student, a learner. But we can't make disciples if we first don't get them saved. 
You can't be a follower of Jesus unless you accept him as your Lord and Savior first. So if God is commanding us to make disciples, then he's implying that we should also witness first, get them saved, and then teach them to obey all that he has commanded us. This is not an option. It is every Christian's responsibility. Being a witness is not an option. And maybe it has been for you for so long. And that God's grace and mercy is sufficient. But from today on, now that we know what the word of God says about it, we're held accountable. We're held accountable for what we do with this word after we leave this place. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. I only got about three more hours. Here we go. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this. But you will receive, somebody say power. Woo! Somebody say it with some power. Say power. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you or upon you. And you will be my what? Woo, I wish I had three people that would preach with me this morning. And you will be my what? You will be my witnesses. He doesn't say you will be my churchgoer, my Bible thumper, or whatever it's called. I don't know. All those things are good. Knowing the word of God is, is great. The Bible encourages us to study the word of God, to be, um, what does that verse say? Um, oh, I forgot. Anyways, I'll, I'll get back to you on that one. <laughs> but it says, it, it, it says that we, we will be his witnesses. We will be his witnesses. If anything, God is calling us to do is to be his witness. Now, listen, it says you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the place where they were at at the time. So what was God telling them? Be a witness where you're at. Be a witness first where you live. Be a witness in your house. Be a witness in your place of work. Well, they don't allow us to talk about Jesus at work. Yeah, but they don't allow you to talk about gossip and you still do. Did I step on somebody's bunions this morning? It's a lot of things that you shouldn't be doing and you still do them. Why not take a risk to be a witness for Christ? And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus teaches his disciples to begin right where they were. But I'm going to tell you something this morning. There's a sequence of how this works. He says, I want you to be my witnesses. That's where where I want to take you to. But first, you have to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. So today I want to share with you this. You can't become a witness for Christ if you haven't met Christ to begin with. And maybe you struggle with being a witness and you're saved. You're a Christian. You struggle with being a witness. You can only become a witness when you know the Christ who is calling you to be a witness. So if you've experienced whatever your experience is with God, 
That is what he is calling you to share. But if you have not experienced his goodness, his grace, his mercy, if you haven't had that encounter with God yet, there's no way that you can be a witness because what are you going to talk about? What are you going to, what does a witness do? He gives an account of what he's seen, heard, or experienced. Maybe you haven't seen of God's goodness. Maybe you haven't heard that he does miracles. You haven't experienced for yourself. Maybe you're not saved. Maybe you are, but you don't know the Christ that you call your savior. How can you be a witness of something you haven't experienced? That's why he says, y'all need to wait until the Holy Spirit comes. Now, how does that work for us today? The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of your life when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. And at that very moment, you receive the same power that these disciples received in that upper room. That same rushing wind, that same flame of fire that rested upon them is the same Holy Spirit, the same power that comes to live inside of each believer when you say yes to Jesus. So I'm going to try to fly through this real quick. My first point for today is this. I want to talk about the sin of neglect. Did you know that there's two types of sin? The sin of the sin of commission, the sins that you commit, right? The bad things we do. And then there's the sin of omission. The sins that the bad things you don't do but the good ones you don't do. What does the Bible say? Yes, that breaking the law is what a uh, 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 sin is breaking God's law, right? There's laws that God has established. And when we break those laws, the Bible calls it sin. So those are the sins of commission, right? But then there's the sins where the Bible says, when you know the right thing to do and you don't do it, God calls it sin. So after today's message, if you can hear the sound of my voice, God is holding us accountable from this point on. And if you choose to ignore this and not be a witness for Christ, you and I are guilty of the sin of neglect, the sin of omission. We know the right thing to do, but we choose not to do it. I believe that the sin we are most guilty of is the sin of neglecting to communicate the message of Jesus to our family, our friends, our co-workers, classmates, neighbors, etc., You see, the Bible says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And a lot of people think, and it could be implied this way, that the world means Africa, Russia, Spain, Greece, and all this, and all that is great. Those people need to hear about Jesus. But how about the world you live in? What is your world, your family, your circle? Where you shop at, your school, your classmates, your neighbors, your co-workers. That is your world. What is Christ telling us? Go into your world and preach the gospel. Look what James chapter 4 verse 17 says. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do, here we go, and doesn't do it, it is what? It is sin to them. See, evangelism is not a professional job for certain people. Well, we're going to leave that job to the pastor. We're going to leave that to Pastor Karen, Pastor Bob, and the leaders of the church. That's their job because God called them to ministry. You know what ministry means? It's none of this. This is just part of it. You know what ministry means? Serving. You know how you can serve? By being a witness. You're serving the kingdom. Every time you witness to somebody and they say yes to Jesus, you're advancing the kingdom. 
See, evangelism is not only for the pastor. It's not only for the leaders of the church. It is the responsibility of every follower of Christ. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, then it is your and my responsibility to be a witness wherever we go. Number two, let me talk about the challenge of a great opportunity. The challenge of a great opportunity. Let me, let me ask you this today. Because from what I know, it still hasn't been found. Or still hasn't, it's not available, we could say that. If you had the cure to cancer, now there's treatments, there's medications, we understand that, that do help. But if you had the cure where you could say, take this and you'll be cured from cancer for the rest of your life. No remission, no coming back. What is it called when it happens again? Um, Relapse, right? Relapse? Okay, yeah. None of that. You take this, you're cured forever. If you had the cure for cancer, maybe some of y'all suffer from that or have family members that are suffering right now because of cancer. If you had the cure to cancer, wouldn't you give it to them? Yes Yes or no? If you've had a loved one who has passed away from cancer, wouldn't you give anything to go back in time? And if you had the cure for cancer, you would give it to them. Absolutely. Did you know that you and I have the cure for sin and death? So if you would share with somebody the cure for cancer that only cures them physically, why wouldn't you share with somebody the cure for their soul, their spirit, that will cure them spiritually for all eternity? James teaches us that there are Incredible blessings when we lead someone to Christ. And I'll end with this. God can use us to literally save a soul from death and hell. We can be the means of covering a multitude of sins. There's a lot of people that are saved that have backslidden. You know what that means? That they go back to their old ways. The Bible calls us sheep. We, we, we go astray like sheep. And there may be somebody who is right now backslidden. Can I, uh, Xavier, are you here? Yeah, can I? Maybe there's somebody in your family that is struggling in their walk with Christ. They're backslidden. They've probably gone back to their old ways. And maybe by you just witnessing to them, loving on them, sharing the love of God, sharing the grace, the mercy, praying for them, encouraging them, inviting them to church, being a witness, not only with words, but with your life. We can be the one who brings the gift of eternal life to those who receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The Bible tells us in Ephesians that uh, 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 eternal life is a gift. It's a gift from God. And you could be the one to bring that gift to someone who does not know Jesus. We could be the channel through which the blessing of peace of mind and peace of heart can come to a new believer. People who don't know Christ that are struggling with a, a battle in their mind, a battle in their heart. You and I could be the ones to bring them peace, to bring them joy. By winning a soul to Christ, we contribute to bettering our country because that person will become a better citizen. Wouldn't you like to see our city become a better city? Our state, our nation, our country, our government. God, please hear us. Imagine if everybody knew Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Don't you think things would be different? 
do you think things would change in your family's uh, uh, relationship? The dynamic of your family would change if you witnessed to them? If they knew Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Well, I've tried to talk to them before and they just, they just shut me out and ignore me. Well, well how, many, how many times have you been persistent for things that you want? Things that are convenient for you, beneficial for you. Or you just try one time and, oh, they didn't want to give me a raise. I guess uh, I'm not going to ask anymore. I'm not. Why? Because it benefits our self. Could you just take that same persistence and use it for something positive? Well, they didn't want to listen to me last week. We'll talk to them again this week. Oh, well, they're just going to, they're going to think, I, you know, I'm, I'm a, a, a radical, fanatic Christian. Who cares? Listen, if, there were, if somebody called you and said, hey, we placed a bomb inside of your house. But they don't give you how long it's going to take for it to go off. They don't tell you if it's, a, if it's a timer or if it's triggered by a remote or how, when is it going would to, you, would you take too long to get out? Okay, I'm like, that's weird. Y'all don't say nothing. That's kind of weird. You're like, take me Jesus now. You would get out immediately. Even if it was a prank, I'd be out far away from my house. Let it be a prank. Praise God, but I'm going to get out of here until we figure this out. If your family was in that house with you, wouldn't you run around crazy trying to get everybody out? Okay. Sin is a ticking time bomb. And it can go off at any time. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is what? Your family, your co-workers, your friends, your neighbors who don't know Jesus, they're dying. Wouldn't you do anything to save them? That's my point this morning. Last thing I'm going to say is this. Rick Warren said this. The mark of a great church is not in its seating capacity, but in its sending capacity. Doesn't matter how many seats we have in this place. Doesn't matter. It doesn't impress God. You know what impresses God? When he sees his children becoming his witnesses. Telling others there's a bomb that's about to go off. Let me bring you to the one who can save you. Now, you can't lead someone to a place you do not know. You cannot teach what you don't know. You can't lead someone to a place you've never been. So as a witness, your job is to lead them to Jesus. Right? But if you've never met Jesus, how can you lead them to him? So today, I want to close with this. If there's anybody in here that you said, you know what? I I felt like God spoke to me. I need to be a better witness. I need to share... Uh, uh, what God has done in my life with other people maybe you said man I don't even know what to say I don't even know what to share because I don't even know Jesus as my Lord and Savior if that's you today no matter how old or young you are or anything in between the Bible says that today is the day of salvation today is the day to give your life to Jesus you're not here by coincidence not by chance not by luck you may be here because your grandma or your parents brought you and you didn't really want to come but you're here 
God is extending a call today to salvation, to give your life to Jesus so that you can respond and become his witness to other people who are dying without Christ. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to say this simple prayer. If you've never met Jesus as your Lord and Savior, maybe you have. But like we read about today, we wandered off. We've gone astray. Maybe you're that someone who has wandered off and you needed to hear this to be brought back. I want you to say this prayer with me as you close your head, uh, close your eyes, bow your head. Say this. If you can, say it audibly. Say it audibly if you can. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that I'm lost without you. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins. Wash me with your precious blood. I open my heart. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Today, I choose to be a witness. In Jesus' name, amen.